When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, certified emotional intelligence meta-coach and co-founder of Diversity and Inclusion Consultancy, the darkest horse, Rada Yavovich. Hey, what you drink? I've shared this on a couple of episodes already, but my 30 years in corporate America, working for some of the biggest brands on the planet, doing pretty good, you know, success-wise, you, you do that, right? Mm-hmm. You, you ascend by making people in power mm-hmm. <laughs> feel comfortable that you're not going to deviate too far from the plan. Mm-hmm. If you do that enough, you tend to lose sight of what you really want because what you want then gets molded by uh-huh. what they say that you can have. That's been kind of my story. One of the books that I'm excited about now, because as I said earlier, uh, I approach this work from a slightly different vantage point than a lot of my peers that I'm doing the work with uh, who come out of the HR or organizational behavior type mm-hmm. of a stand. Mm-hmm. I am always looking at it from a business standpoint. And so one of the books that I've gotten excited about recently It's been out for a while, so this is not a new book at all, but it's called The Inclusion Dividend. Oh, I don't know it, but I'm into it. By Mason Donovan and Mark Kaplan. I'm giving them some big shout outs, and I've actually brought this book into a a coaching cadre that I'm part of and that I'm doing some of this work with. And one of the things that they talk about is that there is a calculated way to determine the benefit, the economic benefit of inclusion. They go through that work and that's what I'm looking for. But one of the things that they said that struck a chord with me is how, and I'm going to paraphrase this, how organizations tend to get hypnotized by mediocrity. If I come along and I don't fit the profile of who the top flyers are supposed to be, and I'm messing up the curve, which is my, which is my term, they'll get mad at me for messing up the curve and actually performing at a high level because I don't fit the profile. And I've said this uh, a number of times that uh, several of my peers that have experienced some of the things that I have, that's what frustrates us the most. It's, It's not the need to compete. It's the requirement to applaud mediocrity when you know better is possible, when you know better is out there. And dadgummit, I did better last week. We are all here to deliver an economic benefit. And you're going to get frustrated when I show you that better is possible. Yep. I love your point about, you know, kind of pointing out how much of DEI work tends to be this sort of like HR avenue. I'm 
in exactly that same position, right? I'm I'm coming from data science operations, growth, you know, strategy type roles, and knowing how much better my teams did when we did inclusion, right? When instead of just saying we accept you despite your identities, we said we celebrate you because of your identities, right? They trusted each other better. They were more creative. We got the outlier ideas. We got these folks who could be doing better. And that's why we're called the darkest horse, right? Because like it's the dark horse that you never saw coming that just like wins the race, right? And that's what you're talking about. Like you are that dark horse, right? That they were like, don't disrupt the thoroughbreds. And you're like, yeah, but they slow. The the darkest horse, the firm that I co-founded, our like big obsession is what you're talking about, is not just focusing on the employee experience, the employee kind of talent side of it but how you do your work, how you do one thing is how you do all things. So let's Mm. practice it in our design, in our operations, our vendor management, in our board of directors, integrating it into the business functions is where that stuff really starts like getting super juiced and like actually making that big dividend, that big impact, that big ROI. I love this conversation because this is allowing me to have a deeper appreciation for the things that I've always admired about you. At the same time, I'm just loving the things that I'm learning about you for the first time. I'm just gonna admit to you, I just didn't, I didn't expect you to really come with the, with the whiskey. I, I know you had the leadership chops, but the whiskey, and you say, hey, look, I like Japanese whiskeys and you know, my everyday mm-hmm. is Eagle Rare. And mm-hmm. when I can't Eagle Rare, when I can't get Eagle Rare. Okay, so I was, I was on edge. Uh-huh. Then I hear that you're like a fan of Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. Well, who is it? Come on. Come and on. And Louis Armstrong. Yeah. I have this record that is the two of them. I listen to it so much, I'm afraid that I'm going to actually wear it out because that's a thing that you can do with records, you know? <laughs> it's like, but it's, yeah, it's my, it is the one that gets the most playtime for sure. That took me a little bit to digest. I had to take uh-huh. a couple of breaths. And then I understand. Oh, and by the way, I like Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, mm-hmm, I like James mm-hmm. Brown. I like the Point of Sisters. I'm like mm-hmm. Diana Ross. Mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. you are a black dude. I know. Black. I like. I wrote all those answers, and I was like, oh, they're all black. I'm gonna look like a, <laughs> I'm gonna look like a weird like I don't know appropriator or something. And so I I was like, I also love Gaga <laughs> and like Sia, you know. <laughs> all of these diverse interests that. A lot of people have diverse interests, but I've never experienced anyone who will lean into those interests as much as you do. Tell me a little bit about how do you get attracted to so many different kinds of things? Yeah, I think it's the same mechanism as what I was talking about earlier, where like I love to meet people who are different from anybody else ever met before. It turns out that like that mechanism, the reason that I that I am that way with people is the same reason I am that way with music, right? And with movies and with art and with books and with sports, because each of them is just like full of surprises. You know, I I always say that I've never met a sport I didn't like because there's just all this like richness in them. And it turns out that like when you really like people who are different, they like a lot of different things. You know, part of the reason that I've been listening to so much disco lately, like so much disco, I've always liked disco, but I've been like really hitting the disco lately is because I have this friend. It's actually like a guy I used to work with his boyfriend whom I also just like adore and he loves disco. And when we're hanging out, he's always like, Oh, play this one. Oh, what about this one? You know? And I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) You know? And I'm just like devouring it. 
And that's what happens when you have a lot of different types of people around you is they, they come with a lot of different types of fill in the blank. This is why inclusion is important, right? Because it's not, doesn't just get you the best playlist. It also gets you the best, you know, products, right? The best copy, the best, because you've got all of these different people. I feel like I'm kind of singing the same song over and over, but like, it's, it is that. What other possibilities are there in the world? I've never really felt like I've really met very many people that I would say are like me, you know, like there's people that are like me and like my rugby girls are very like me in a very specific way. You know, my inclusion folks are really like me, but they're like each a little slice. Right. And so for somebody who doesn't feel like there is like a whole group of people that's like me, which I think is true about everybody, if they're like tuned in, the fact that there can be so many different kinds of people means that I get to be whatever kind of person I am. You know, it gives permission. Like you witness all of these different ways of being. And that means you get to be your own way. That is liberation. That is the definition of freedom. I love it. And what you just said is really kind of my description of what I love about jazz from a figurative sense. So from a figurative sense, I love the fact that there is a framework, but how you get from point A to point B is totally up to you. But you got to get to point B. Talk to me about how this jazz metaphor fits your lifestyle, because I'm seeing a lot of. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I played clarinet. Um, I was in the band and, you know, we played a lot of kind of classic John Williams stuff and like Bach and like, you know, whatever. just like classic kind of symphonic band type things. And then sometimes our conductor would like get us weird, right? There was one piece, I wish I could remember what it was called, but I remember that like it involved us playing our instruments in different ways. Like I, we took the end of the clarinet off, made like noises through it, you know, and like, you know, instead of playing the whole instrument and there were like things on the page that were just sort of shapes that you were supposed to understand and like interpret like what that felt like or whatever. And like, that's jazz, right? There's like a whole movement, a whole like ecosystem of jazz that is like that. And, and when I was in college, my college boyfriend was in the jazz band, you know, on the South side of Chicago. And he, the conductor was this like legit hip cat named Mawata. And he had them playing very cool stuff. It was a bunch of white dudes from the University of Chicago. They got to be black for a minute, right? (laughs) While they tried to play this amazing jazz. And like, I think that jazz is one of the most somatic, right? The most like physical movement-y kinds of music. You see these jazz players playing their instruments and it's like it is their body in a way that is not as true in a lot of other I'm not saying it's exclusive, but like, it's really, really true in jazz. They're dancing, you know? And like, I would say that intuition and science and nature and self, I I love that as a metaphor and I love it as, as an art. I love it. I had the opportunity. So one of my guests, one of my favorite dudes, favorite whiskey heads, uh, actually, he's kind of like my whiskey godfather. He taught me a lot. (laughs) I had an opportunity to have him on an episode. So you guys got to check out the episode I did with Aaron Dickey because he surprised me and actually brought in a, a legendary jazz musician. And one of the things that he said in another interview is he said, you know, in other music genres, you can hear the notes. But in jazz, I try to make you feel the notes. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean playing loudly. 
Mm-hmm. It just means playing in a way where you feel mm-hmm. what he's playing. And I just, ah, man, I just, I enjoy that. I enjoy mm-hmm. that so much. You know, the one of the core aspects of connection is attunement. The best way for somebody else to be able to attune to you is to be attuned to yourself, you know, and be clear. I feel it with jazz is really attuned to the music, you know, is living the music and is feeling it themselves. And the more that they're feeling it, the more that that other piano resonates. You will forever be uh, my first. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So I got I got I got to talk about this publicly. (laughs) Oh, boy. Because, you know, coming out of this program that we were in, we're in this program for almost two years. It felt Mm -hmm. like it was it was pretty extensive. And so we created a really tight bond with each other, I believe, just kind of throughout. There was a point, I'd say five or six months after, where anytime any of us were doing anything, all of us would show up. And one of the things that Rada said, okay, I've got this talent show that I host oh, every once yeah. in a while. And so I said, okay, well, my girl Rada's going to be doing this talent show. So I'm going to just, I'm going to go and show up. I'm not going to play anything. I don't necessarily have any talents. I want to merchandise, but I'm going to show up to support my girl. Oh, you were such a, you were such a VIP audience <laughs> member. You were such so a, talk a, a, talk a little bit about the variety show. So I love art. A lot of my friends are artists. And when the pandemic started, my best friend from high school is in a band and that band was supposed to be on tour in March of 20. 20. You know, obviously the tour had to be canceled. It was actually, he was going to do a house show during his uh, Chicago stop. And so I was going to be hosting this concert. And so obviously that was canceled. And so the night that I was supposed to be having that concert, I was like, let's just turn it into a virtual show. And let's not just have it be him and his band. Let's have it be, you know, my other artist friends, right? Because all of them have had their stages taken away, you know? So like, let's do a show. And I am the kind of queer where I love everything to be queer. It's not just like a part of my identity. It's like how I live my life, right? And so it was like a mostly queer show. It was obviously like, it was not exclusive. It was not queers only. It was just like highlighting, lifting up, celebrating. So we called it Quarantine. Yeah, we had probably that show. There were the first one, I think there were probably like 10 or something different performers. And we were using Venmo. People could tip, you know, it was a free show, but you could tip. And we ended up raising like thousands of dollars. Our, our biggest one, I started doing them every month. And our biggest one was in June. And we were fundraising for a few different Black and queer-owned organizations. And we, we raised like 10 grand in that like hour and a half show. I was not making money off this. I was giving it all to the artists, right? And to the, the nonprofits. But, but the shows were so great. We call them a variety show because they were just like, there was spoken word and there was dance and there was music and there was visual art. There was just like all sorts. There was a singing drag queen. There were body workers. There were, you know, all sorts of different media. And it was a great time. My first time I was there to support you, but boy, that was an experience for me. (laughs) Again, just a lot of talent that... If you want to put people in boxes, you probably wouldn't notice that talent. For me, the phrase that I think of when I think of you is, why not? Why not put these things together? Why not do the whole thing? Yes. Yes. I received that with great love and appreciation. All right. Well, hey, well, tell me a little bit about what's next. What are you working on right now? Because I know you're, you're always doing something amazing. Yeah. Uh, So I would just love to hear what you're working on now. Beautiful. 
I mean, I'm still doing like virtual art stuff just because I love it and people need it. And, and like, I have a skill set that people find helpful. Um, so I'm still doing that. And so, you know, that, that brand is called virtually perfect hosting, but the you know, YouTube is probably the best place. We do a lot of streaming and stuff there. So YouTube, if you want to get those shows for virtually perfect hosting, but the two things that I'm really, really most obsessed with right now, one is the darkest horse, DEIA consulting firm that I co-founded. We're growing. That means that we are getting to do more and more interesting, creative stuff. And we just released a new website. Like we had our website redone. It is thedarkesthorse.com. Hire this beautiful, brilliant illustrator who did these amazing, like futuristic digital collage images. We, you know, hired this amazing web design firm that's owned by, you know, woman of color who they did this beautiful, beautiful site. It's just, I'm really proud of it. And you can see there sort of all of the stuff that we're doing. And the big thing that we're really obsessed with is like experiences, you know, not just doing training or, you know, panels or whatever, but really what does it look like to have a sort of immersive, inclusive experience, right? And so we're working with clients who are and custom building these like really awesome experiences uh, that can be innovation programs. They can be different types of events, depending on sort of what the business and what the culture of the business is. Um, So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. And the other thing is this program that I think I sent to to you and the rest of our, our crew that's called Metamorphosis. You know, the Darkest Horse is by and large for like companies and organizations. Metamorphosis is for individuals. So it's about navigating transition and it's about recognizing, you know, how we change. There's a lot of external judgment and super egos that are telling you how to be a, a good person or a bad person that are not actually your ego, right? The program is really about how do we tune in to our like authentic integrated self and move through transition in a way that's affirming, empowering, exciting, generative, you know, instead of resistant, you know, and tight and uncomfortable. We're going to launch that program. It's going to start in June. There are still some spots left. So folks are interested. I'm a a part of a collaborative called The Process is Such. And so it's a part of that brand. It's called The Process. The website is theprocessessuch.com. And then Metamorphosis is the program under it. Yeah, you can find that on my LinkedIn. But those are the two things that I'm really, really pumped about right now. Wow. This has been a great conversation. I'm just so excited that uh, not only I, I get to show off some of the cool friends I had I, I <laughs> in my contact list, What would be some parting words that you'd want to leave with my audience? Because one of the things that I promised, you know, my brand promise for this, for this podcast is that I would number one, share some of my friends that are living this thing called life uh, full out and that they would share some insights as to how they can, how people listening to this can do the same. How can they live their life full out? Mm -hmm. So what words would you share? Yeah, I'm going to say two things. One is to to underline that like the thing that is the best about you is the thing that is different from everybody else. You know, to put it in a kind of business terms, that's your competitive advantage. That is your special sauce. And when you try to live into that, where do you catch? What gets hooked? Be okay with that and just be curious about it, right? Because it's not, you can't have judgment about that. That's not your fault. 
You know, you just have to like be with it, right? And and have the patience to work through it. And I think the corollary to that, the second thing is I will always point you toward process over product. If the process of doing the work, right, the growth, the whatever it is, is painful, then it's not going to give you a joyful product. How you make something is what you make. And so really living in how you want to make it. Wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. (laughs) Yeah. How you make something is what you make. If you make something through anguish, you are generating anguish. You are not creating peace. You are not creating ease. You are not creating joy. So the process has to be how you want it to be. You get to pick. You get to pick whatever it is. But if your process doesn't match your your product, you're not going to get what you set out to make. Boy, that has got to be a great spot for us to end this conversation. This has been a real treat for me, not only to get all of your insights, but just to have this conversation and reconnection with you. You are absolutely one of the bright spots uh, of ditto, ditto, ditto. that I do. So with that, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you so much, Caleb. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.